You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome again to the Pride of Detroit POD cast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. It's the Summer of Lions, Summer of Detroit Lions. Why is it the Summer of Lions? I don't know. You're listening to a Lions podcast, so I'm assuming it's connected somehow. It's the summer. You're listening about the Lions. What else do you want from me? What what the hell else do you want from me right now? I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Uh, not in my Bronx accent from from week from weekend overnights on Fox Sports Radio, just in a regular voice here to talk about the Detroit Lions. As always, my main man, Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit on Lion. Leader, how you doing, buddy? I am so good. I have a dog in my lap right now. It's biting on my finger. So if I scream out every now and then, uh, you'll know why. You, you with the pet drama. I, I think my cat has tapeworms. He is like constantly begging for food, and it is hell. It is hell to deal with a cat that is just so hungry, and you don't know why. And I can't afford to take him to the vet, but I'm just gonna get him some over the counter stuff. But you were just walking him before the show, so you're committed to this thing, this runt. I suppose. I suppose he's gonna stick around. You suppose. You're not committed to it, though. That's oh, troubling. Yeah. Oh, say something into the mic. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> he didn't. Terrible podcasting. Let's bring in the third man, Ryan Matthews. Back is the rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, my buddy. My buddy. That's me. I'm your buddy. Yep. And I am my a friend. Of friend. <laughs> You're my best friend. Yeah. Um, hi. Welcome. You know, if you can tell, I'm so extremely tired, and that's kind of like where is we're at with Lions news. Is there's it the tired? This is the tidbits. There's what? Sorry, what was that? I said there's some interesting tidbits, but we're two months away from football. Interesting stuff. This is the tired but strong episode. I've decided. Everyone's <laughs> tired. Everyone's exhausted. We're here to play the hits. We're here because we got to be here each week. The contract stipulates that. <laughs> And because we do care about the Lions, I'm just not sure what to bring you other than a Wayback Machine as we go back this episode to the Cowboys game. That's not going to be fun. Before we get to that, we've got to hit up the more more recent news. Uh, yeah, do you want to? You want? Where do you want to start, Jeremy? Oh, I, I just want, can we call this like the mandatory podcast since just mandatory so, minicamp was last just here, week? Just here, so you don't get fined. Yes, but. Speaking of fines, Darius Slay and Damon Harrison are both liable to be fined now because they didn't show up to mandatory minicamp this past week. Both looking for a new deal. Both have two years left on their deal. Both have a lot of Lions fans pretty angry right now. And uh, I can certainly see it from their point of view. We've already talked a little bit about this, but um, it's it's not necessarily common for players to be holding out with two years left on their contracts, let alone two star players to do it in the same offseason. Not to mention it's coming right off the the tails of the Calvin Johnson stuff from last week. So Lions fans are a little bit irritable right now, and Slay and Snacks are not doing them any favors um, by holding out. But well, Lions know, fans aren't doing themselves any favors by being aggro, too. But, true. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm not that concerned about it. We, we're talking about three practices in, in June. I don't think those three guys showing up to June practice is really going to be the difference between a win or a loss in, in the next three, four or five months or so. But um, I, I can get some long-term concern if, if this does roll over into training camp. Uh, are either of you guys concerned about these guys potentially 
holding out longer and the lines potentially not holding to any of their uh, demands? Uh, I'll let Ryan go first on this. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that I'm too concerned. I think for, for whatever reason, I don't think that this is going to be an example of the Patriot way. I think a lot of people were mm-hmm. assuming that, you know, with the two years left on their deal that, you know, Snacks and Slay wouldn't be up for for any type of extension or reworking of their contracts. But I really don't see this turning into a situation where either Darius or Snacks misses any substantive time. You know what I mean? I, I don't mm-hmm. think that they're going to miss anything truly meaningful. Our man is, is a mandatory minicamp. Is that, you know, is that super important in the grand scheme of things? No, I would say not. Uh, in terms of like a panic scale, uh, I mean, I'll let Chris get to, to answering this question first, and then I, I got something on the backside. Uh, just to be clear, I'm I'm looking up the details. I don't think there's any guaranteed money on either of their contracts right now. Am I right? That's correct. Yeah, and, okay. and if you guys want like nitty gritty contract stuff, we had two really good pieces this week that went through all that. Brian Phillips, you've probably heard on this podcast before if you're a longtime listener. He did Brian. a guest piece uh, for us going through a potential two potential solutions for, for Darius Slay. And then uh, I got into contact with a guy from over the cap and he kind of answered all of my questions regarding misconceptions, why Slay and, and snacks are holding out what they might be looking for and then potential resolutions. So if you haven't seen those yet, check them out. Um, but sorry, didn't mean to, to interrupt your no, point. No, yeah, no, that's yeah, fine. That's fine. That, let's, that let's is a very stuff. important point about it is that neither of them have guaranteed money left. Yeah, well, I mean, I just wanted to make sure because that does influence kind of my thesis moving forward about sure. this is that we are seeing more and more of these holdouts and it's because, I mean, if people are mad about this right now and Jeremy's not going to believe me, but I am trying to work on some writing on this. We'll see if it actually makes the light of day, but I'm I'm hopeful on this one. Just <laughs> need to get my energy levels back. And hopefully no news upstages this or this podcast, but I think this is going to be more and more common uh, moving forward in the NFL. We kind of had the bar set by Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, and now we're seeing with with Slay and Harrison. And these aren't big stories on any kind of national level, because sorry for Lions fans, the Lions don't register on kind of any national level right now. This is a Lions story here. But there has been on a national level a lot of talk about the upcoming CBA. And right now, I I know from a fact, I I was, I I know from a fact from one PA related person, they have been telling their athletes, save your money from the Madden contracts, the the Madden deals, you know, your rights for appearing in the NFL Madden games with EA, Uh, save that money because we're gearing up for a fight, which is going to be the first in a while People always whine and say, well, isn't the you know union responsible for having contracts in a bad place? Yeah, they were at the time, but that doesn't mean they have to keep living with that crap. Uh, this is the only league in North America where contracts are not guaranteed across the board. And I think more and more, like a couple of years ago, we saw that, that conversation move towards finally them, a lot of NFL players realizing, hey, why aren't they guaranteed? Why, they should be guaranteed. And it's coming out more and more that this is now where the conversation is going. And guys are going to want all that guaranteed money that they can get right now until any kind of CBA that maybe hopefully uh, enshrines that into being fully guaranteed. Now, in the case of Darius Slay, uh, it, it's two completely different scenarios here, right? I think in the case of Damon Harrison, he realizes he's, he's 30 now. And he was he got lucky in that he wound up in the right place to really ball out. So he he knows he's good enough to be worth another contract, but maybe not sure like if that kind of level will keep carrying through two years of unguaranteed money. So yeah, he wants to resign right now. For him, that's absolutely a, a matter of securing some sort of security. Yep. Darius Slay, I mean. We, we all love him, but maybe, you know, in this league, who knows what your situation is? A player can ball out great for a couple of years and fall out off a cliff. Or in the case of Darius Slay, too, like this is a guy who's probably one of the top corners in the league. And right now he's not being paid like a top corner in the league. I know he got a pretty good contract, but I mean, a lot of other corners kind of blew up that. Uh, did we talk about this last time, Jeremy? I think we talked about how like Josh Norman gets paid more than him. 
uh, a little bit down, like well, yeah, down I, the line on all the other corners they get more than Slay. The, the thing with Slay is that he signed a four-year deal a couple of years ago, a four-year extension, the first two years of which were very, very team-friendly. The Lions got a right. sick deal for him the last two seasons. Now he's going to get paid. The problem is that, one, it's not guaranteed, um, and, and two, there's no, there's no long-term things after that. And, and you, that, you bring up the lockout. You bring up the lockout. We, we see it all the time in the league. Once a cornerback hits 30, like there's a steady decline. And with that, and you know, with the threat of maybe missing a full year for a lockout, maybe it happens, maybe it doesn't. Slay wants to get paid now, and that's completely yeah. understandable. Well, both these guys would be unrestricted free agents in 2021 when people right. are saying the CBA is going to be up for negotiations where we could see a strike or a lockout. Right. Because Which would be disastrous I, for both those guys at this point yeah. in their careers. Suddenly they're out in the cold. Suddenly they are the ones who are out in the cold. And when they come back from the CBA, who knows what their situation is going to be? Yeah. So this is a lot of stars aligning. And I think maybe they realize, or maybe they don't, that, yeah, we want to get some sort of security through 2021 because, I, I mean, I don't think it's going to blow up an entire year. Uh, it's going to be a long and nasty fight, and I think there will be some work stoppage because the difference for what the players want versus what the owners believe is right is very vast right now. And unlike CPAs past, the, league, the Players Association actually has some fight in them this time. And I think maybe, unlike past years, they might be able to hold the line to keep the interests of their lowest paid players in line with those of their highest paid. We'll have to see. I, I don't know, but I, I, I think the fight is more cognizant in the minds of many of these guys. Uh, for, for the fan side of things, I do have to wonder when it comes to Slay and Harrison, because we do see some guys mad at them right now, which is a reaction. Uh, I, I would ask to those people, whose side are you on? Like these, these owners aren't going to pay you anything. But I think this is something we do when we when we've changed our the axiom from being a fan of the sport of football to being a fan of the team, right? Because you well, don't care. Like the, the fan at home who says, "I just care about the lines." You don't care about you know the health of the sport. You don't care about you know these guys or how well they're compensated or anything like that. You just care that your team puts up a win on a Sunday and you thus have identified Slay and Harrison sitting out from quite frankly, extraneous training activities to say like, Oh, you're now a threat to that vision of my happiness to have a win on Sunday. I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's what the paradigm is right now. Right. And, and and well, on on one, on a very basic level, it makes sense because you pay a guy more then it's harder to fit more guys, more talent onto your salary cap. And that's really what it boils down to from the fan perspective, I think, is like they don't want these guys to be shelling out too much money to these guys because then it's going to make them har- make it harder to build a team around them. And I get that, and I get the idea that maybe extending guys that have two I, years I, left I on their contract might I don't, set that, a dangerous that's a lot precedent. Of, that's a lot of like what-ifs going on there. What if we can't then, we don't have the extra $2 million to sign, you know, yeah, uh, linebacker. What if though? Yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, it's it's not conducive to right now. Uh, what I would say though is that the other point, uh, there there are some fans out there I do see that are very easy. Like to, to your point too, though, is that I have also seen a lot of fans out there who are who are like, you know, they're posting up the gift from that video, pays that man his money. Yeah, yeah, which is an admirable point, but. I would ask those people, and I guess this is a point of what, what I would hope to write if I can remember and not get lazy or not get high. Um, that's easy to say right now. And again, I'm curious where those fans will be if we hit preseason and Slay and Harrison are still holding out. And again, it's the old song, which side are you on? Do you actually care about Slay? Do you actually care about Harrison? Do you actually care about seeing them get paid? Or are you just saying that right now before the team and the player come into collision? Because right now, it's just a couple of like of mandatory training activities. Nothing too big. If it starts to get close to the season, like we had with Brown and Bell, that's when it gets a lot more contentious. That's right. when your more when your morals, what you believe in, are now on the line. And, they, so be, and the, yeah. they'll be on the line for the players too, right? Like if they're Absolutely. in danger of losing playing time, like we said, these guys are, are kind of they're probably both past the prime of their career. They're kind of reaching that twilight of their career. They don't want to miss a full season. 
So the pressure is really going to be on in, in late August if if things still go into that. Uh, you know, still go we that saw, deep. But. We saw the the guys, the Steelers playing chicken for a very long time, and we saw what it did to their reputations in that city too. Yeah. yeah, and ends up both Brown and Bell end up leaving Pittsburgh. Although Pittsburgh has other extraneous situations there, one of them named Big Ben, <laughs> who I I believe I am firm in my belief now that he is poison. He's locker room poison. But this isn't a Steelers podcast, so I will just tease that hot take out there for you and someone can yell at me on Twitter about it. But yeah, I, I, it's, it's fascinating to watch. I wish I had like a hotter take than that. I wish I had being like, you know, you must pay them. I, I am of the mind that you do have to pay them. I don't think you, you can't just next man up these two uh, spots that Harrison and Slay are. You cannot just say next man up and expect the Lions to go anywhere without Slay and Harrison. It, it tanks your defense too much. For like sure. you, like I, I, no I know that I, I understand the salary cap ramifications, but you do. Ha- if if you want the Lions to be successful in in twenty nineteen, you have to pay Darius Slate. You have to play snack, pay snacks. There's no other way around it. Give them, give them what they want. They're obvious. Like in my mind, they're definitely thinking about the twilight of their career and the lockout and any potential lockout or work stoppage coming in twenty twenty one. So they're, I mean, they've got that on their minds. I know this podcast always likes to take the side of players sometimes, but this is, this is one where I just believe the cost benefit analysis for the lions is that if you get stubborn and if you try to hold out against these guys and not pay them their money, you're just going to hurt your team. You're just going to hurt your wins. Here's it's already, it's already a bad look already on, on Matt Patricia having the crap year that he had last year. I don't think he can really afford with the fans or with the team another crap year coming up here. I don't even think Bob Quinn can really afford another crap year either. Here's, here's the one thing I would push back on, and that's, that's a Darius Slay's deal. Because I think in an ideal world, they write out the rest of his contract. He's, you know, his cap hit is the highest among all cornerbacks this year already. Next year, I think it's like six or seven. So it's not, I mean, he's getting paid a lot the next two years. Darius Slay wants security. I mean, I, I would, I have a hard time believing Darius Slay would be cut anyways in, in any things. Obviously, injury is, is a different situation. But the, the thing with the Lions here, though, is, is just that, that significant drop off of a 30. I don't know if you want to add years to his deal because I don't, I don't, Everyone's t- a lot of people are talking about last year and how it was a down year for him. I don't really believe in that too much. I think part of it is a new system. Part of it is, you know, his, his supporting cast. He has to hold, you know, his, his coverage longer because there was no pass rush last year. I think Darius Slay is fine still at the peak of his game, but that can change very, very quickly. And, and I could see from the line standpoint why they would just want to write out the rest of your contract. You're getting paid fine. We'll see where you are at the end of those, that contract and, and maybe not renew it. Well, if, I mean, it, let's let's not also talk about Darius being old. He's 28 as of January of this year. By sure. the time his contract is over and he's an, an unrestricted free agent, he will just be 30. I think the for the Lions, it's not going to hurt you too much if you if he wants to keep get you know some sort of guarantees or an extension out until he's like 31 or 32. Maybe, but there, there's a very steep drop off with with cornerbacks in in thirty. Like you don't see a lot of guys making it to thirty two and still playing at a high level. Yeah, but again, like for that, that just makes his his contract needs all the more apparent. And sometimes, I mean, we we've been talking about the Calvin Johnson thing. Why have the Lions gotten in trouble with their reputation among players? Is because they've been seen as cheap for one reason or another, be it how they treated Sanders or Calvin Johnson or any kind of, you know, whatever contract scenarios in the past might be out there, this would play to that narrative. This would be like, okay, you're just too cheap to give Slay and Harrison a little bit extra guaranteed money. Whether that's fair or not, I'm not saying if it's fair or not. I'm just saying that is the perception it would send to purely to anyone who is looking for a team to play on. And that's the reality of it. If I am a laborer in the NFL, if I am a football player in the NFL, a player, mind you, not a fan, not an owner, not a GM. I'm speaking from a player's mindset right now. And I see the Lions deciding to be like, no, we're not going to pay you Damon Harrison. No, we're not going to pay you Darius Slay. And then I look at the, what happened in the past with Barry Sanders or with Calvin Johnson or with some of the other guys who I've, I've met 
here in Los Angeles who have had dealings with the Lions and who kind of point to them as being cheap. This all sits on my mind and maybe I look at some other teams. And I know Lions fans don't want to hear that. I know it's Detroit versus everybody, but like you have a reputation to maintain. This is a business where men have their options on where they want to go. It's limited and it's dictated by the market many times, but they do but that limited freedom they do have, they are going to try to utilize. And if the offers on the table between an organization like the Lions and somewhere else, they might start looking somewhere else. You don't want that. You don't want that. You don't want and I know it's easy for the fans to say, well, we want people who really want to be here. This is pro sports. No one is, there's very few guys who really, 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 really want to be in one place. Those are kind of once in a lifetime guys. Like those are guys that you would see in European soccer, like Toddy or whatever. Uh, be, play, be right by your players. That's all I will say. And that's, that's it for me. Uh, we got five minutes here. Do you want to get real quick to Jermaine Curse? Right. Well, Ryan said he was going to finish up a point about oh, 15 okay. minutes ago, and we haven't heard from him. And I just want to make sure he's still breathing over there. Are you okay, Ryan? He's not he's okay. Dead. Ryan's dead, everyone. I'm awake. <laughs> <laughs> Rousing endorsement. Do you want to finish off your point? We'll just do curse in the next segment. About your main curse? No, no, your point. The point my, you wanted to get to. Yeah, yeah. My my big thing with snacks and slay though, I wanted to ask you guys, like, where is your where's your level of panic? Like, cause it seems like when it comes to Rest of Lions Twitter, there's a lot of people who are overly concerned to the point in which it's June and we should not be concerning ourselves with these mm-hmm. things. But big picture, do you see either snacks or slay this becoming an issue? Where is your panic meter right now? Like ten being the most panic and one being not panicked at all? Yes. Um, is it a cop out if I say five? No, five is a number and it's an answer. Five leaning towards six. Explain the panic yourself. is. I would say the panic is going to grow. Sure, with time. With at, time. At, yeah. At which at which point does it? Because I feel like, I feel like it's like a certain date or an event or something happens yeah. where is it is it training camp and all of a sudden now. We're bumping into like the seven, eights, or nines. For sure. Uh, I mean, then, for for me, that would be preseason. Okay. I mean, dead, deadline spur action, and right now there aren't any deadlines. The only soft, soft, soft deadline was minicamp, and I don't think anyone really expected either of those guys to show up. So, my my levels at a three and a half right now. Like it, it's certainly will rise up, and and at this point, I have no clue indication where things are going to go. I don't know if the lines are going to be like, eh, we'll talk next year with either of these guys, with both of these guys, or if maybe they get a deal done with either of these guys. I mean, they also have some other deals that they have to consider. Graham Glasgow's ca- contract is up. Um, where, where does that fall in? And given the way that Bob Quinn has worked in the past, he usually doesn't get to these sort of contract things until mid to late training camp. And so if that's the case, if that's the precedent that he set, we might start seeing the, these contract disputes bleed over into training camp. And, and yeah, I think that's when I start to move to a seven or eight and then preseason, yeah, nine or 10 at that point. Um, just because, you know, it, it, obviously the team would be better served with these guys in there rather than not, especially for some of these young guys. You know, we'd love to have Slay there talking to Manny Oruarie and, and Snacks there talking to PJ Johnson and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Doesn't matter. Huge in terms of win losses this year, maybe not, but. Um, they're, they're definitely going to want to be in football shape and being there with the pads on um, is, is, is huge. You, you can't really simulate that sort of stuff when you're training at home or you're training at your, your friend's facility or whatever. So right now, three and a half, but it, it, once we get into August, it's going to jump up real quick. All right, uh, let's leave it there then. I, I will, we'll talk about Curse on the other side. We'll also jump in the Wayback Machine, and I'm sure we will probably revisit the subject in the mailbag but we're overdue for a break so we're going to take that right now uh we're going to sip some delicious beverages and uh continue on here it's a hot summer day here in lion's land the magical land of lions football and we're moving right along we will be right back on the pride of detroit pod cast with wayback machine
Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Pride of Detroit, P-O-D-Cast. PrideofDetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Catch our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and, and uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, I was never a big believer in Spotify until I got finally got premium. And uh, now I can't get enough of it, Brian. And it's kind of weird. Spotify is nice. It is very nice. That's why I you, take this podcast so seriously. We should take, be saying the word nice a lot, by the way. Why is there is there a number that we can associate? Is this a particular number of an episode or something? Uh, just maybe the date. I don't know. Oh, oh, that is nice. <laughs> That's very nice. <laughs> one of the oldest jokes on on Twitter, worn down so much the normies are all over it, and yet we're still do, doing the uh, the joke. Well, that's fine because that number is eternal. You know what else was nice? The Lions signing a wide receiver, adding some wide receiver depth that they I'm glad so you desperately st- needed. I, I was waiting because 50-50, you were either that or you're bridging me for the Wayback Machine, and this game is absolutely not nice. <laughs> no, that game was let's not talk, nice. Let's talk Jermaine Curse before we dive into the Wayback Machine. Lions have signed another former uh, Seattle Seahawk, I think, yep. probably to try to regain some of that Golden Tate juju. <laughs> Maybe. Jermaine Curse, I, I always liked Curse when he was with Seattle. Uh, Ryan, I, you're, you're more of the fantasy guy, so I know like my, my emotions about Curse are mostly tainted by fantasy. Yeah, and you know, in Seattle, he did have some potential and, and played pretty well with Russell Wilson when he left and played for the New York Jets, not so much. Yeah, but you're trading Russell Wilson for Sam Darnold, so I mean... These things are true. So I <laughs> these mean, are very true. Yeah, I mean, you know, his two year stint in in New York didn't go really as planned. Um, didn't didn't really wasn't very productive. Only caught six touchdown passes in a Jets uniform over two years. But um, maybe it could be one of those situations. Like like you guys have already mentioned, has some familiarity with Daryl Bevel. Um, you know, the Lions needed another wide receiver to come in. I don't think that he's just kind of a camp body. I think that he really stands a good chance of making the team. No, he's legit. He's legit veteran. I think he will probably make the team. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he's getting a deal that's, you know, 1.35 million max of 2.3 and 350,000 guaranteed. So that's not he's guaranteed to make the roster money, but it's it's enough where it's like, yeah, you're you're going to be there in the competition. Um, I, I think one of the benefits of a guy like that is he's super versatile. I know you're probably sick of hearing that word, but he's a guy that can play inside or outside. Um, a guy that obviously Daryl Bevel is going to know how to use. And and you just look at the competition he's got. There's not much of it. Like Chris Lacey got injured during mi- mandatory minicamp. He was probably already playing from behind. Andy Jones is a guy who's showed something sometimes, not so much some other times. Just you know. Uh, your definition of a of a training camp kind of phenom. And then who else? Brandon Powell. I know people really like the way he finished the season, but he's also kind of very much stuck into just a slot role. Um, I, I think Curse is just the kind of guy that they want to kind of be the, the player that TJ Jones basically was, except this guy has a track record. This guy has familiarity with Daryl Bevel, and he's coming cheap. So I, I completely understand the signing, and I, I think, like Chris said, this guy's not necessarily a complete lock to make the roster, but I'd have a hard time not putting first on. The I, I think he's in an inside track. I, I do. Uh, now, Jeremy, you're kind of our guy who goes to the goes to a lot of these events. How do you see the Lions using him uh, if he does end up making the roster? Is he going to kind of maybe fill that slot receiver role, or no, is he? We're going to see him on the wide starter. Outs? No, he's he's essentially just wide receiver four, just like the utility okay. guy that can come in wherever they need him because. 
Danny Amendola so far in, in minicamp has looked like he and Stafford have a thing going on. Like he could have a big year. I'm not saying 80 catches 1200 yards here, but I think Danny Amendola could really be that kind of security blanket that, that Matthew Stafford really likes out of the slot. And then obviously Galladay and Jones, once they're healthy, they're going to be fine. Um, so curse is, is essentially TJ Jones. Yeah, and, and and I think that if the Lions wanted to get a receiver who they could count on to have a reliable set of hands, Jermaine Curse is a pretty good option. Only 23 drops on 469 targets throughout his career. So there you go. Yep, there, there you go indeed. Now let's step inside the Wayback Machine. Uh, once again, no imaging, so excuse me a second. Got some better rest this time, so I think we've uh, got a little new oil in the machine. It's feeling good. <laughs> so we now take you back to has has the month changed here? Are we in? No, it is still. We are still in September, the dead end of September. Do you remember? No, it's the thirtieth of September. Funny enough, my birthday is on the twenty first. That's hilarious. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know why I don't play that song every year, but I don't. I don't know. Cowboys 26, Detroit Lions 24 in a game that uh, Lions never really led this game, but there were definitely spurts of action for the Lions to get back into contention. But I think macro picture, which is what Wayback Machine is about, Wayback Machine is about, this was kind of a punch in the gut after coming off the New England win. And I mean, this loss in hindsight looks exactly like I think a lot of Lions losses would look later in the year as far as, you know, competent, decently competent, but just so many mistakes that doesn't matter. Uh, but in the immediate coming off that New England win where you, the Lions looked dominant against the Patriots to just on the road, you know, on the road with, with the Cowboys come close, but not close enough was kind of more of a, once again, some, some soul searching was needed. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a heartbreaker of a game. I mean, not only because the Lions gave up the lead on the last second field goal, but just because, yeah, I mean, there's such a stark difference in being two and two riding a two game winning streak and one and three, uh, you know, a lot of people like to split up the, the season into quarters and, and being one and three is, just about as bad as it can get in the first quarter of a season. And there were just so many little things in this game that caused the loss. Like you said, you know, there were so many promising things the team did, but just the little mistakes piled up in this game and it was enough to, to swing things the wrong way. And yeah, I, I just rewatched the game really right before we went on air. And there are already three or four plays that, I had completely forgotten about, didn't want to remember. And now like they're still, now they're making me mad again. There's, you know, the, the one that set up the, the game winning field goal, the, the lob pass over Jared Davis's head to Ezekiel Elliott. That was just placed perfectly on that same drive. If you re- rewind three plays before that, Deshaun hand sacks, Dak Prescott strips the ball. Somehow the ball gets right back into Dak's hands and he throws it for an incomplete pass. That's a game changing play. The Lions recover that ball. It's basically over. Um, and then you go back a little bit further. Um, Okwara has that roughing the passer penalty on a play where where Dak kind of slipped up. He was barely touched. Then he got right back up. And so Okwara thought the play was still alive, hit him down. Very next play is a touchdown to, to Zeke. Um, it, it's just one of those games that, that could have gone either way. And I, I, I can't help but think like, if the if this game had bounced the Lions' way, would that have set off a whole different set of circumstances the rest of the season? You know, the the optimistic part of me is like, okay, well, maybe you know they they string together a couple more wins in the next few games here. Maybe they don't trade away Golden Tate. Maybe they're right there side by side with the Bears, and maybe the the, the second half of the season plays out the entire way. And and all that's probably not true and wishful thinking, but it, it just kind of goes to show you the razor thin edge that is an NFL season, like. If this W had gone the right way, we you know we know right now they win the next two games. So we're talking going you know after Miami, this team is is four and two going into Seattle. Man, Go, that, uh, going it, into it, Seattle, they would have been three and three, I believe. 
Well, no, if, if you give them this, they were three and three going into Seattle. Oh, okay. If okay, you give them yeah. this win, they go four and two. All right. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I, I just like thinking about things like that. If, if it would have changed things, you know, obviously they still would have gotten snacks and, and this is a good example of this game was a good example of why they got snacks. But uh, yeah, I can't help but think how, how differently things may have turned out if, if just one bounce had gone their way this game. They got snacks, and this was also kind of, I think you would theorize, uh, you can tell me if you're wrong, but this kind of, now that we look out, this was kind of like, oh, this is probably the last, this was the, when the decision was made probably to get rid of Golden Tate because reasons. Maybe. I don't know. It, it's hard to say because, yeah. It, I, I think maybe it maybe has to do with the how the rest of the I'm just I'm just so weirded out by that though because you like you get a guy like Damon Harrison which puts you back into contention, but at the same time then you get rid of Golden Tate which takes you away from it. So I'm the trades last year I think for Damon Harrison we we praise that rightly, but on a macro sense the trades that happened that year just still confused the hell out of me. Yeah, we we'll, we'll we should talk more about the Golden Tate trade when it happens in the Wayback Machine, but yeah, it it's still something that's. It kind of frustrates I mean, me a little I, bit. I'm looking at like Golden Tate in this game, and we're going to keep going back to. I mean, this was a Golden Tate game. This was him in command. We knew at that time Golden Tate is a number one for this team. He, he's putting up almost double the yards everyone else has. He has double the receptions that uh, the next next closest guy Kenny Galladay has. He's got two touchdowns in this game. He's going off repeatedly. It's it's clear that this is when. When Matthew Stafford has the slow start that he had in this game, he's looking to Golden Tate as that safety valve. I like saying the word safety valve when it comes to Matthew Stafford because he always has one guy in his mind where it's like, crap, I'm in trouble. I need to get the ball away. Oh, there's player X over there. He's my safety valve. For a long time, that was Calvin Johnson. And in this game, it was Darius Slay. Darius Slay? Golden Tate, maybe? Golden Tate. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Golden really Tate was hot in, here in right this now. game. It's he, really hot in here in this Wayback Machine. Golden Tate had three very key plays in this game. The first one was the very first touchdown of the game where he just slipped past a guy on the sideline, scored a, I think it was a 45-yard touchdown, and then the, the go-ahead touchdown he also scored with, a, with, I think it was under two minutes left in this game. So, yeah, just rewatching this game, we're like, why why would they let this guy go? And, and maybe they thought the season was over when they did, but just, I mean, you can... It, it's a very quick reminder of how much of a game changer Golden Tate can be when he's on top. Well, Ryan, and I mean, to, to their credit, like how many times have we seen one and three ever really turn around and become something that goes somewhere? Uh, I wouldn't say very often. One and three is almost kind of like a, it's almost kind of like a kill shot to your season, I think. But th- there was something about this game that, that was optimistic. I think if there was anything that Lions fans could could see in this game and say, you know what, good things are going to happen from here with this, and I think it's carry on Johnson's performance, right? Nine carries, fifty five yards, and a touchdown. Like that's the one thing that I think that Lions fans could point at and say, like even in you know speaking from hindsight, like I think this was the first game where Lions fans said, okay, this guy needs to touch the ball more especially with LeGarrette Blunt running the ball seven times for 12 yards. This was the first LeGarrette Blunt stinker. Um, I, I think that this was maybe the best thing that came out of this game. The worst thing was that, hey, the Lions run defense is absolutely terrible, and there oh, is God, no yeah. help. There is no help in sight. Ezekiel Elliott, 25 rushes for 152 yards. Couldn't touch that, him. Yeah, couldn't, couldn't stop him, couldn't touch him, and clearly the – the wheels started turning here. I think um, at some point, and pretty soon here, the the Lions, Bob Quinn realized that he needed to make a change. And Snacks Harrison, he's holding out right now. But this game is just proof as to how much he improved this defense. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point in the season, the Lions were solidified as one of the worst run defenses in the league, if not the worst pretty run much. defense in the league. Mm-hmm. Which is funny enough because Dak Prescott didn't really run too much in this game, and that was my fear coming into this game was that. Oh, the Lions always seem to struggle with do with quarterbacks that can beat you both in the air and on your feet. And I don't know if Dak is that premier of a of a passer, but he definitely didn't need to to run here in this game. He could throw. He he averaged like what is it, almost nine and a half yards 
on on his receptions. So I mean, it it was not a good day for the Lions defense again, and I feel like we're just going to keep repeating that here throughout the season. Yeah, it'll it'll it will eventually get better, but uh, this was definitely the doldrums of the season for for the defense and. I think I think we kind of all expected that. I, I mentioned it in one of the previous Wayback Machines. Like, we knew this was a new system. We knew it was a little bit complicated. We knew that there were a lot of new players in this new system. They didn't have a lot of guys. They really didn't have a lot of former Patriots like they do now on, on this defense. So they didn't have those kind of key players that can help teach the scheme to each other. And so they came out of the gate pretty darn flat. And unfortunately, it, it led to a one and three start. But uh. You know, it, it it was just it was not. I was going to say it's not. It wasn't a great schedule for them to start off, but that's that's not even true. We as we mentioned before, Forty ers Jets was kind of ideal for this team to start, and uh, they just couldn't hold it up. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. what what's this game mean in the larger scale? What would you say this game means, like as you look at it in comparison to the rest of the Lions season? What did you learn specifically from this game, or what what was endemic of this game? that was in common with the rest of the 2018 Lions? I think, I think two things. One, the carry-on Johnson thing I mentioned earlier. I think that this game really paved the way for him to have a bigger role in the offense, and I think the game that changed that... I mean, he, he did have a big game in New England, but, it, but this was another game where it seemed like it, it seemed like the offense was at odds with itself, right? I think a lot of people were looking for carry-on to get the ball more, and being as efficient as he was in this game, nine nine carries for 55 yards, I think you saw a lot of fans griping on Twitter about how he needed to be more involved in the offense, especially when you have LeGarrette Blunt who had as bad of a game that he had. But the other thing I think is that Golden Tate was a big part of this offense. And there were some people, myself included, who thought that the offense could could find a workaround, could find a replacement, could maybe more heavily rely on carry on Johnson as part of the offense moving forward for the rest of the season, but eight catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns, two really big plays on that last drive. What Jeremy mentioned earlier about Danny Amendola, I really hope that he can find some kind of security blanket who can make big catches in, in big moments like Golden Tate, because that was something that the Lions offense so sorely lacked moving forward. Yeah, and, and kind of going along with that, I have to wonder if maybe this was kind of the beginning of the end uh, for Jim Bob Cooter because yeah. we, we know this is an offense that wants to establish the run, that wants to run the ball quite a bit. This game was never out of hand for the Lions. It was a three-point game or so for the majority of this game. Hell, the, the Lions had the lead for the majority of the first half, and they only ran the ball 20 times total and nine times with their best running back. And you have to imagine looking back on this box score, probably drove Matt Patricia nuts. And so I, 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 that's, I think, maybe the main, care, main takeaway I get from this is that, you know, obviously we, we, there was a lot of problems on the defense. We knew that was going to happen. But offensively, this team kind of moved the ball fairly okay in this game, but they never really controlled it like I think they want to. And, and a lot of that has to do with abandoning the run a little bit. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think this game could maybe have marked the, the beginning and end for Jim Bob. We did, that's it. We barely even talked about Jim Bob here, too. Like, this was just... Which is funny enough, too, because, like, I, you tell me again on paper, Stafford has three, over 300 yards. I'm like, okay, that sounds fine. Yeah, and he completed a hell of a lot of his passes, too. What, he was, yep. like, 70%? Yeah, he, he averages almost, a, like, a touchdown to reception, too. It was kind yeah. of nutty, but... Yeah, man. I mean, actually, I don't even think Cooter's stuff was really wrong here. Again, it was just the defense was just awful. Uh, Any closing thoughts on this before we uh, get out of here? I hate hate the Cowboys, man. I hate playing there. I hate losing to them. I don't know. And and I guess one, one final point about everything is like, this kind of felt like the kind of game that was 2017 coming home to roost like all these crazy comebacks that the Lions had had over the past two years now it's kind of coming back at them now now they have to be on the butt end of some of these because teams can't have eight fourth quarter comebacks every single year sometimes it's going to happen to them and and this was the first of a of a couple examples this year yeah I mean I don't buy into the juju that it is kind of the comebacks coming back to roost but I mean 
if you are of that belief, like you have had, you have this game and then you also have the San Francisco game. Yeah. That's Both true. those like, you know, just close, but just not close enough. You know, what is close though? The pride of Detroit mailbag, the world famous mailbag. And it's freaking next. We'll be right back on the pride of Detroit. POD cast. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD as always to get your questions in. Mailbags are getting a little light here in the summer months. Keep coming in, but uh, you know what? That's fine. Just make sure to send us questions anytime, anytime, anywhere. We will take questions on almost anything too. I know we haven't covered a lot of Lions questions we end up getting, and usually because either A, there's something we've covered in past podcasts or something we've covered in this podcast. Or they tend to be like hyper in-depth roster. And I don't think that's good radio to sit over here nattering over which I think which five linebackers are going to make the roster here in June. But you know what? We have nothing else to do. So is that that the first question? No, absolutely not. Instead, I'm going to take a question I like from Humboldt Lions asking about, he asked us this. There's been a lot of talk about negotiating an 18-game schedule with a new CBA coming up. There it is right there. How would you feel about adding two extra games, uh, two extra games? And he makes some qualifiers too. It's like, you know, uh, would you expand the roster and each player being active for max 16 games? I think that's the problem whenever you start talking about 18 games, right, Jeremy? Like, I think part of that calculus is, you know, we're going to cut probably two of the preseasons. It seems even the league is on mind to cut down the preseason at least in half. Um, um Yeah, I... I don't buy any of this. I think it's all negotiating ploys that they're no, trying to. No, it absolutely is. It they're is. They're trying to ask for so much so that when they, you know, lower their their things, it's well because they it, know the players are very up. adamant they don't want to play eighteen games. I, I don't want it either. Like I know everyone is so sick of the preseason by week by the time week four comes around, but I think it's necessary from from a team management standpoint. I think it's it's a great way for guys that are, you know, between 48 and 60 on the roster for them to make their last push. Like how many times did we see Kerry Hyder make the team because of that fourth preseason game? A lot. And well, he made himself a little career out of it. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm fine with the current system. I don't think that many people are complaining and the people that are complaining about it, they, they completely forget about it in week one. They don't care. They're just complaining about it in the moment. So give me, give me the four games, four preseason games. 16 regular season games. It's, it's a fine system. I know you want to make more money by, by making more regular season games, or maybe you're just pretending that that's what you want. But you know no, what it is? It, it absolutely is that too, because like those preseason tickets are impossible to sell. Oh, absolutely. Ticket holders. Like nobody wants to go to a preseason. From a game. fan standpoint, I will 1000% admit that the fourth preseason game is near unwatchable. But it, I, th- I do think it, it's important from, from a league management or from a team management standpoint. So, deal with it i guess my problem is it's just it's all the logistics about it like a like where would you put the two extra games would it um, because if it if it goes in that early into the year when preseason games three and four are being played some of those places are damn hot uh and they, yeah. they get away with those preseasons because guys aren't playing a full 60 minutes it's not a full game for a lot of them so they're not racking up all those miles or in that kind of weather, or are you going to put it near the end of the season? So it's going to be frigid cold outside. More guys are going to probably have to play regular season games in January. And then suddenly the Super Bowl doesn't get played until almost probably March. Close to March. Yeah. Close to March. And also you probably have to add in an extra bye week in there to make it for 18 games. Cause that's brutal. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, what Humboldt lion brings up too about expanding it to 70 raw and expanded roster, 70 men. That I don't see because that's a lot more money from the owners to suddenly invest in that. And we've seen in the past when the owners are asked to pony up money, they suddenly start shying away. This is supposed to be their scheme to make money. And I think expanding the rosters by 17 men each is probably going to cut into whatever 
profits they would want to see from having those two games. So, yeah. And more to the point, too, and I don't know what Ryan... I'll let Ryan talk here in a second, but I don't know if there is an appetite for 18 games. I think I think football... I mean, I got into a fight with someone over this because, I mean, football. more football is more football. And a lot of... I know there are some people out there who are hearing me say, we don't need 18 games and getting really mad because to them, nothing's better than having more football on all the time. And I get it. I love the NFL. But at the same time, I think there is something to the fact that the sport does have its regular season so meaningful because it is so limited. Now, I don't see two extra regular season games ruining that, but I think because of the artificial scarcity of a football of a football season, that it does make us crave the sport a little bit more. So I don't know if you lose that with 18 games, but it is kind of more of a concern, especially since we're now talking about, again, a second bye week, probably some guys having to sit out some of those games. So suddenly you're not having your starters in for all 16 games. So I don't know. Ryan, what's your take on, would you like to see 18 games? Um, I'm not sure if I would like to see 18 games just for, for some of the reasons that you outlined. It, it would require, I think, larger rosters and the owners aren't interested in, in paying any more players than they already have to. So I, I don't see that. I don't see that really happening. Um, but on top of that, like uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I, I just think the attrition of a of an NFL season two um, starts to weigh heavily on players once you get past sixteen games. I mean, even after sixteen games, look at the look at the toll that it takes on rosters. I mean, one of the one of the stats I think we talk about the most when we're talking about like season reviews or even season previews is we come back to that stat that uh, Football Outsiders has about games lost. Adjusted games lost, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's such a big deal in the NFL. I think that you want to try to keep your best players out on the field as much as possible, and I think anything beyond 16 games is is really asking a lot. Um, And and I know adding two two games doesn't seem like a lot, but I think it is. Like, I'd almost want to, if they went to 18 games, could could you maybe do two bye weeks? You you'd have to. You in my mind, there's no re, there's no way you can do it without a second bye. I mean, think about think about a team that has a bye week in like week five, and then you're gonna have eighteen like weeks. Oh my goodness! Yeah, it's yeah. gonna have to be an, it's gonna have to end up like uh, college. College has two bye weeks, but they they only play like twelve ga- twelve games. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So there, there's a lot of things to consider, and it, it comes down to to money and paying more players. And I just I, I don't see it happening. I know this has been a big subject on a lot of talk radio, so I'm glad we got to it because I know Goodell said some things about it here uh, up in Buffalo at some sort of golf game or something like it, it's going to be kind of that summer sports topic that's just going to keep going on because we'd rather talk about what ifs in football than baseball, apparently, or the Women's World Cup, yep. which is going on right now. Agreed. Forza Italia. All right. Next question here is from Ray Stakanas, who I actually just went on Ray's podcast here. Look for it. I think he has it. It's called Who Would Win? Uh, at Almighty Ray. What is the best movie based on a video game? Hmm. Trying to think if there's a single one that I enjoy. There's a lot of bad ones. I'll give you that. Probably the new Sonic before people Shut on up. Twitter got mad about it. And they Shut made him up. change his teeth or something. That, that's, not, that's not because real. People are petty and stupid. That movie's not out. Doesn't count. Dang it, Ben Schwartz, dude. It's gonna make a great Sonic. I don't care what anybody says. I don't I, know, man. Oh. <laughs> Nobody's I have, got an answer. I, that I have, no, I have two different answers actually. But I want to see what you guys have first before diving in. I don't. I don't have anything. I can't even Doom. No. <laughs> So I've got, there's two different categories to answer. Do you want my mostly serious answers or do you want the one where's the hot take answer? The hot take answer is I'm assuming the Super Mario Brothers movie. Yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. It's too on brand for Chris. How, how do you know? How do you know me so well? No, I, I, think, I think going back that movie. <laughs> well, I just, I just think that movie, like it was, it's properly panned at the time, but seeing some other remakes of, of movies or just where our culture has gone. I think Super Mario, it, it does hold up in a very weird, bizarre sense. As soon as you stop wanting it to be like, cause 
how the hell are you going to make a movie about Super Mario, like the actual video game itself? You, the, the story of Super Mario is nothing. There's nothing there. Right. That's why you don't make a movie called Super Mario Brothers. Yeah, but someone somewhere at New Line Cinema was like, we need to make a movie about Super Mario Brothers. Well, these but, don't get these don't this isn't up for debate. Some suits come, some suit coming off of his Coke binge is telling you we need a movie. We bought the rice for Super Mario. Go make a movie. Yeah, uh, that was the where the mistake was made. Yeah. My serious answer is then I think it's a 50-50 split between the Resident Evil movies, which are actually good. And uh I was going to say the Angelina Jolie uh, Tomb Raider Raider movies. movies. Those both hold up. Mortal Kombat's a really good answer, too. Mortal Kombat was horrible. Shut up. No, it wasn't. (laughs) Cult classic. I think my favorite, not my favorite thing, but the memory that I most associate the Mortal Kombat movie with is that I had chicken pox when I watched that movie for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) And it probably made the movie somehow better. I, I remember being very itchy during the movie, and I think that if I were to watch it again, I would still be very itchy. Was it because of Reptile? Like, you know, because that freaked me out. When I saw that, you know, Reptile, like the, the, the graphics they did for this lizard man. I love the soundtrack. The soundtrack was really good. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Was the set? Am I thinking of the second Mortal Kombat movie? Was that good or no? There was a second one? Yeah. I don't know. Probably yeah. not. I was definitely out by then. I'm yeah, but like, there's so many bad. Like Uwe Boll, like made his whole career on taking video games and making them into terrible, terrible, terrible movies. It's quite uh, the legacy to leave behind. Yeah, it really is. And then we had you know crap like Street Fighter, or you know what it is too is like there's a lot of movies that just you hear. It's like a lot of anime movies. You hear about them and they just vanish. You never see them again. Don't, don't make know. video game movies. Video games are fine as they are. I don't know, man. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the Witcher miniseries. A movie. Although, granted, that's not technically a video game series because it didn't really start as a video game. Witcher was like a series of like novels and short stories that just made into a video game. But it absolutely is as popular as it is because of those video games. I love that Chris just will actually himself. Repeatedly, I might say. Yeah, that's just how the mind works. You know what? You know what movie we need? We need a Battletoads movie. Yeah, they just showed off a new Battletoads at E3. It's E3 here this weekend here in Los Angeles. They just showed off a battle to a new Battletoads the at the Microsoft uh, presser. I hate myself. We need a new Mutant League football. Ball is wired for death. All right, next question we have here. Let's take this one from uh, Armchair Bo, boom, or whatever, three. Who is the, be- the beer chugger champ, Stafford or Decker? Graham Glasgow is the correct answer. Glasgow put everyone else on that offensive line to shame. I don't know if you guys saw the, the clip from the Tigers game on Saturday. No, I'm but Glasgow, I, I mean, I think the answer is actually still Stafford because his was the most impressive and, you know, he's clearly had uh, a lot of experience doing that in his college days. Stream frat energies coming from him. Especially once you realize he he went to Georgia and parties on down in Texas. But, uh, I'll I'll give, I'll give Decker credit for, for chugging too on camera. But Glasgow, like he downed his real fast. Then he gave the regal wave afterwards, which is classy move. Magic Murr 20 asking us, uh, after Boban was in John Wick 3, which Lions player would give John Wick the biggest challenge? So I, first off, before we get into this question, I love that even though Boban has changed teams like what, two more times now? Or just one? That, Lion, that Detroit sports fans still claim Boban as one of their own. It's as it should be, because I know I, I know that 76ers fans absolutely do not appreciate him. They do not absolutely do they do not appreciate the big the big meaty boy who He's apparently was, <laughs> he, he was apparently so strong. I, I heard the story that he like 
threw he did what was supposed to be in the script and threw a stunt actor or something but then immediately started tried to start apologizing to him because he threw him too hard and almost ruined the take so anyway to the question lions player who 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 are we slotting in a john wick who is going to put up a decent enough fight and then get like mozambique three tapped throw down an apex no it's a reference okay yeah all right we're about to dive into some nerd stuff but no in mozambique style you shoot a guy twice in the chest and then one to the head that's why the shotgun's named that in in apex as well okay the more you know (laughs) good to know uh i don't know i feel like we get some sort of variation of this kind of question a lot and it's oh the answer is always a sean robinson He would scare the crap out of me. I would let that guy kill my dog because I'm so scared of him. Whoa. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Zazu. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, buddy. Oh, boy. This got dark. This got really dark. Now we're going to start getting some negative press because people are going to be like, why are you killing the dog? It's a John Wick reference, guys. Chill. Dog is literally in my lap kissing me on the ear right now. We're fine. Okay. Do we have another answer besides uh, Aishan? Uh Darius Slate, because of his shooting ability that he showed off when he got that interception against Philadelphia. <laughs> or no, it was Green Bay. Yeah, when he picked off... Uh, when he did the somersault? When he picked off Hundley, yeah. And rolled around and he ended up on his knee and did the little little shooting. And he does, he does play, what, PUBG? He's probably got a pretty good aim. He does. I'm trying to think if there's one other one. I, I know I hate to go back to get another guy we named earlier, but Damon Harrison has the hair. Like he looks the part of like, if we put him in a leather jacket and some dark shades at night, he looks like he could be part of some sort of mafia. Like just a very classy regal kind of chomping on a cigar kind of guy that uh, John Wick would absolutely kill. I don't know if he would give him the biggest challenge, but, I mean, it's there. I still think it's Aishan, though. Hard to argue against that. Bradley Marr asking us our eternal (laughs) Miles Killebrew. I feel like every month we are mandated by law to take a question about Miles Killebrew. Bradley Marr brings us this for June. Do you think Killebrew will make the team, and do you think he will ever be more than a special teams guy? Never. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, we, I think we talked a little bit about this in the Slack room this week. I, I don't see a spot on the roster for him this year. I know he's a good special teamer. I know he's made a couple plays during minicamp. I just don't think it's there. I think the Lions have some pretty good depth at safety this year including Andrew Adams, who I thought has been playing pretty well at minicamp and also provides some special teams value. So I, I don't know. I think this is the year they finally move on from Miles. Any thoughts, Ryan? Uh, I, I just don't see Miles making the team, unfortunately. It's a bummer because he has one of the best last names on the team. Question here from Dennis Gallagher. So my once again, one of these questions where we have to decide your family's uh, fate and future, which is uh, a lot of responsibilities for this podcast. I'm not sure we're ready for. We're going to try to do it anyway. So my wife and I are expecting, and there's a very heated debate in the house before my baby is born in September. She's a lifelong Bills fan, and I'm a Lions fan. Obviously, the baby can't root for two teams. Help me make the argument for being a Lions fan over a Bills fan. And I more recommend that that child should probably be spared the agony of both teams and be allowed to decide, A, if they're even going to like football, and B, if they do, to have a team that is probably not just going to be the sins of their parents. I don't know. If I grow up in that household, I'm just going to become a Cowboys fan or something. Um, the only argument I can have for Lions over Bills is that when the kid eventually wants to go to a game, do you really want to travel to Buffalo to see him? Do you really want to go to Detroit to see him? Yeah, a thousand percent over Buffalo. 
indoor no, stadium. I know that. I know, I, yeah. I know that, but I'm just saying, like, we're, we're talking fairly. We're, when we're talking about throwing down money for a field trip to go for a, um, for a field day to go see a football game, those aren't exactly two great options there. But, well, those are the two options he gave. The answer is Detroit over Buffalo. I'm thinking outside the box here. Ryan, are you going to help this man decide his future? Vaccinate your kid. <laughs> okay, good talk. Until Ryan's checking out now, so we're going to end this one on this question. QWERTY Aaron asking us, would you rather be forced to play only sports games like Madden for eternity or have to play Fortnite with inverted controls for the rest of your life? Holy smokes. What? <laughs> I'm cool with just like playing NHL and whatever. I got I got to shake this Fortnite addiction somehow. Yeah, the, I don't even know. I might buy Madden this year. Who knows? This might Dude, be the first no. year. This might be the first year that I I don't buy Madden. We'll see. I don't know. Depends on whether or not I can crowdfund sixty dollars because I don't feel like spending all that money on a game. And I if you, don't want to wait until Black Friday. If you want Madden Sims to continue, check out. <laughs> your your what yeah. your crowdfunding Ryan's Venmo. Yeah, where's my my Venmo is uh at Ryan dash Matthews uh ten. So the the annoying thing is that this is going to work. Someone is going to get you those sixty dollars now. It, if that annoying, happens, I would then never I'm, be able to do that. I'm no really shit. I'm really gonna be happy with people. It's at Ryan dash Matthews M A T H E W S dash ten. One T one T in Matthew. So yeah, if you want, if you want to do that, uh, but I will buy NHL. I always like playing NHL. That's a good couch game to play with, with my buddies. So I'll buy that at black Friday, but I, I jumped off the Fortnite tra- train quite some time ago. I'll take the inverted controls. Cause I'm not never actually playing Fortnite anyway. So it can just sit over there so I can actually play some other games, but at least I'll be able to play other games and not just sports games. I don't think that's how that question was supposed to be. Well, he left the door open. What am I going to do, Jeremy? The door is open. You have to run through an open door. You keep thinking outside of the box, but that's just another way of saying cheating. Stop cheating. No. Patriot way. Lion's way. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll end it there. Good stuff, guys. Stop biting my arm! It took me all my power not to scream at you over the last 15 minutes. Ah! I let Ashawn Robinson kill you on the podcast because I was so frustrated with you. (laughs) I wish we're still recording, so that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Ah! Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at. I am Brian Shepard. I-A-M-B-R-I-A-N-S-H-E-P-A-R-D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side. more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.